G'day and welcome to AOS Coach. I am here, very excited, sitting in the play garden itself, hanging out with um, Emma Mangles, who was the winner of Adepticon until they FAQ'd the results. Um, we are talking all things Magakin of Nurgle. I'll, I'll pass it over to Emma for a second, but I actually wasn't planning on doing another Nurgle show. I had a pretty good, robust one with Tobias. And it was a really good discussion. We've talked about, you know, the yeah, Glotkin. We talked about the Grand Unclean one. We talked about Bellacore. We talked a lot about Nurgle, right? But Emma did something that I'd be waiting for, and I had to create space. I'm running my own GT next week. I didn't want to do many live shows leading up to my own GT. But Emma pulled out something that I had to talk about, and that is the Filthbringers. So today we're going to talk Nurgle. I'm going to get Emma's experience and thoughts around Nurgle. But more importantly, I want to pass it over to you. And hopefully I don't get demonetized. Welcome, Emma. I will do my best with no promises. For anyone who doesn't know who you are, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Other than like an absolute legend, like I think you have become the people's champion on Twitter. Oh, I'm, I'm just trying to play the game, have some fun, and really enjoy the community. Um, I've been playing for... I think like four years now. I started right before second edition. And I started, my first army was uh, two Chaos War Mammoths because that was like the coolest thing I thought at the time. And then I quickly realized that Slaves of Darkness just was not very good. Uh, but if you gave them the Mark of Nurgle, oh, top tier. So that was my like dive into Nurgle, which was the very start of second edition when War Mammoths could take the Mark of Nurgle, and I was just like sprinkling all the buffs on them. I remember that. That was that was in the day, but War Mammoths were out of stock on Forge World. So it was always like these proxy people were trying to proxy them using the Lord of the Ring, Big Elephant, Mumox, mm -hmm. or whatever they are. And you're like, no, nah, it's completely different. And then you go to eBay, it's like a million dollars for one. You're like, no, nah, I can't do it. And like you get some dodgy conversions. But I, I remember those days back in the, the good old days of Magma Droth, not Magma Droths, um, those Magma Dragons. And you had like, I used to run the Carmine Dragon all the time. I had a little lore master that would give it reroll hits and reroll wounds for one model. Um, good times. Good times in first edition. Ah, oh, they were great. I loved the, because uh, I used to use the, the converted uh, Lord of the Rings move box. And then I eventually got like the four drilled ones and had the, the big 280 bases for them. And and that was my jam all through second edition. And then Corona hit and they were like, no, they're legends now. And I went, what am I going to do? Um, and so when I came back to the game um, last year, it was like June-ish and um, I was like trying to figure out what I wanted to play. And then the, the rumors started coming that there was a Nurgle book. And I was like, well, you know, I got to figure out. I need to find that like one weird thing that I really like. And then the Nurgle book hit and it was like filth bringers. And I went, that's really weird. That's that's me. All right, I want to I, I unpack that. I was going <laughs> to ask you about Adepticon as an event and get you into like, why did you pick Nurgle? But I'm curious about Nurgle. I want to talk about Nurgle because, um, again, the same conversation I had with Tobias, and I, I want your perspective on this one, is that when I did my book review, and it wasn't just me, like everybody who did a book review on Nurgle, the minute it dropped, the negativity was off the charts. Nurgle were unplayable. They're going to retire them. Uh, Overcosted. Units like the Great Unclean one were unplayable. They were never going to win. 
Uh, they were too slow. There was just everyone was whinging under the under the sun when it came around Nurgle. And and it's interesting because we've started to see some really good results. And I wanted to ask you, first off, why'd you take Nurgle other than the weirdness? Because I know you're competitive, right? You've run Foxes, you've run some, you know, you've run Thunder Lizards, you've gotten some, you know, the, you've got the competitive bone. You are a part of the America team champ. You're in the America team as well for the, the world's tournament. So why Nurgle? Um, and what have you found over the last couple of months? Because, yeah, people just kind of claimed it as uncompetitive. Well, I, when that book dropped, you know, everybody looked at the movement on everything and went four inches. Like, this is nothing. They're never going to compete. Um, but, you know, nothing is nothing, you know, because Nurgle is the best. Yeah, the best. They're like the cream, the cream of the crop. And Nurglings, Nurglings are amazing in there, too. You know, there's so many good things just sprinkled in this book. Just, they're just, they're so good. And so people just need to digest the book a little bit more. And I think once you really dive in there and unpack it, you can kind of start seeing where the, the fun stuff is. Because it doesn't have to be super competitive in your face, dragons. And... I almost lost it. By the way, I've just completely almost lost it because uh, that's a Macho Man Randy Savage quote for anyone who doesn't know. He's got a very famous saying about the cream always rising to the top. So it's a very popular gift. You you might be my favorite guest of all time. Um, but like, it's you know, people like Joel have, have mentioned that they seem slow. And is that because of the previous edition where you could, you know, slingshot them and make them really fast from the feculent arm? Or have you found speed an issue? Um, or how you, have you just kind of had to rethink about how you use um, Nurgle? Um, I think th there's two things. One was the prior book was just way too fast. Like that book had so many movement buffs with the plus three movement from the Guo, run and charge from the Narmals. It was just like, Nurgle should never be that fast. You know, things where you, you'd have something in the back of your deployment, and next thing you know, you're making a charge to the other side of the table. It was just, that was not Nurgle. It, nothing about that book felt Nurgle. So, like, one of the things I love about this book is that it feels like Nurgle. Um, and the slowness, it can be a problem. And you know, when you're writing a list, you kind of have to look at it and kind of address that, like, how am I going to to deal with that hindrance of my army? Because every army, every book has some sort of weakness to it that you have to kind of brainstorm. How do I address that in my list? So that was, you know, you, you can't take how you play another army and then just copy paste. And, you know, you have to play it differently and cater to its strengths. And that was one of the big pieces of feedback I, I told everybody was don't just take your list that you're previously running, get it under points because the points did go up as well, especially if you were running mortals. That was that was a big trigger. People just couldn't justify um, the Black Kings at 250 at the time. And they still are 250, I guess, if you're watching this in the future. Maybe they are up or down. Who knows? But I know a lot of people just couldn't justify these changes and I think what you've said is the, is the right way is, is to go back to the drawing board and start from the start rather than 
trying to cram in your old list that worked. And then it feels like it's it does it's not as fast as it used to be. You're not getting as many units as it used to be. You know, things like the Glock can almost like doubled in points. Yeah, it's it is you have to treat this book as a brand new book. Like even things such as Plague Bearers, like your most staple unit in, in Nurgle has drastically changed between these two books. So like it, it's not the same thing. You have to treat it as a brand new army and just build it from the, the ground up. Uh, you know, you can't take things from like Slaves of Darkness or other factions like you used to be before and just be like, well, I'm just going to put this in my army and, and they're going to get enjoy all these buffs because they're, they're not anymore. Um, so. so so talk to me about Adepticon is one of the major events in America. You know, LVO, Adepticon, well, there's a couple of other big ones here and there, whether it's run by uh, the, um, the ITC crew or there's a couple of other independents like Midwest Meltdown. There's a couple of big events. Adepticon is certainly one of the biggest in America. What were you thinking going into, you know, into into Adepticon, right? You've seen the results on LVO. There were plenty of dragons, lots of Stormcast. You know, when you were building your Nurgle list, what were some of your considerations um, and what were you expecting from the event? So my expectations and, and why I took this list in was essentially, um, you know, I, I've just been working on like what to run at Worlds and, and like that's been like my focus. And I've just been tweaking Filthbringers as like just my off kind of fun list. And so I just wanted to have fun when I went to that event. It's it's known as like a big hobby event where, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a whole debate about soft scores and, you know, you, you know, going in that it's, it's a hobby event to celebrate the hobby. And so I just wanted to take an army that I love to that, um, that I love models that I painted. Uh, and I just have fun playing this. And that was my only thought. I had no thoughts of, oh, I'm going to take this because I think it can win it. I just took it because... I just want to have some fun. So spoiler, Emma went four and one. Is that correct? Yep. You went four and one um, at Adepticon with the Filthbringers list. So we will bring up the list. And I want to talk a bit more about, I want to get an understanding from Emma. How does she think about Nurgle? How are you building into it? And what was awesome, I actually really appreciate this. Emma sent me in advance some of her lists leading up to the list. So you can kind of see how it's evolved and iterated over time and I'll be curious to see like what did you learn along that process you know you you know and that's part of the challenge right without practice you go oh this looks really good you know, you think about the synergies you think about the math hammering and then when it when it gets on the table sometimes they overexceed expectations sometimes things don't work the it's too hard to keep in your aura bubble um the likelihood of getting the unit all into combat is is difficult or you know you just didn't find the situations that you thought about so I, I, I'm looking forward to that part. I don't know if you, if you want to add anything to that, but I, I think oh, Adepticon... No, um, you know, I think that list writing part is is a piece that uh, a lot of folks, you know, they might kind of have some hiccups on and, and some struggles, um, you know, just identifying kind of what's working in your list, what needs a tweak, um, and then just the way people write lists can kind of differ between players too. So I just wanted to kind of share my list rating process in the hopes that, um, you know, when I originally posted after Adepticon, I, I wrote a sentence that just said, be the meta that you want to see. 
And I'm just hoping that, you know, maybe through this process, people can kind of see, see you know, what can they take from, from this kind of list writing and apply it to their own armies. So we can see some more uh, crazy Gits armies or, you know, maybe some more corn or something wild. I've actually been playing with a lot of Gits recently. I'm, now, I'm going to be testing in two weeks' time uh, Gloom Spite with Cron Spine. I want to see what I can do with Scraggy and Crondo and see what I can do. Obviously, I can't bond him to Scraggy because he's a named mm -hmm. character, but that's a different show altogether. Um, quick question from Paper J. Um, which was the army that you lost to? Do you remember who you beat and what you end up losing to? Uh, I actually dropped game one to Caleb, uh, who is a very well-known Zeech player in the in the US. Uh, and he's been playing Zinch for, for quite a while. So he's he's got a very good grasp of how Zinch plays. Um, and it was only like my fourth time actually putting this list on a table. And it just had all the tools in that list to deal with mine. Because he had the sub-faction where turn one, three, and five, he could just auto-unbind something. So like even though I had Arcane on my side of the table, there was a point in turn three where I was like, "All right, I'm 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 very in the hole, but like I, I've got like maybe a chance if I if I like throw a horror gas and get this unit to flee." So I, I cast horror gas on a sixteen because I had a total of plus four to cast on it, and he just looked at me and went, "Auto unbind." <laughs> so it, it's just rough, uh, you know. Sometimes you just get matched up against a really, really bad pairing, um, and you know, with a good player on the other side, there's sometimes not a whole lot you can do. That happened to me once as a Hello Heart player. I think I rolled a sixteen on a spell because I got all these pluses, and my opponent was Corn. Just rolled an eight, and I was like, all right, "High five, well done! You, you deserve that." Like you completely capped me on that one. But you, you went in, built a list that you you enjoyed. What were some of the things that you kind of learned about Nurgle, um, or maybe some things that you thought you thought going into the the event that you were strong at, you were good at, you would handle the meta well? You know, a lot of mortal wounds being thrown around. I don't know if people were running dragons or if they were running a lot of off meta lists. Like, what were you kind of thinking about your list design, and then kind of what did you learn about it actually at the event? Um, so one of the concerns with my list too was uh, dragons. Because uh, I did play a, a game, I played play this list at a, an RTT like a week before Adepticon, and game three of that, I just got absolutely steamrolled on Tectonic by a Stormcast player with a unit of dragons and long strikes, and he just shot off my Orgots turn one, and charged in to some Blight Kings with dragons, and those dragons picked up those Blight Kings in one round. And I was like, Ooh, I wasn't really expecting them to, to die that quick. Um, so sometimes, uh, you know, some of these matchups, you, the, the damage output, even with a, a five-up word built in, it, it's it can be a bit tough. You know, Nurgle's supposed to be that real durable faction, but sometimes, um, you know, it, it's not that durable. So what are they good at? So, I mean, because they are known for durability, mm -hmm. right? You got the five up wards, you can do They're, some healing. They are great in the in the sustained kind of attrition fight, because um, that's where the Nurgle really, really shines. You know, but against something like a unit of full dragons charging into you or a Maw Crusher using the Destroyer Axe, um, you know, those are like the things that are really going to pop off. But 
um, against pretty much anything else, they'll they'll win a grind with a five up ward save. You heal at least one wound in your hero phase if you have your your locus of fecundity. You're healing D three, and then you're applying disease, which is mortal wounds, and that'll really like help chew through things. Like I, I talked about Nurglings a little bit as one of the best units, and I think they're just absolutely amazing. They will outgrind things that are well above them in point value. <laughs> Uh, simply because they're they're so durable, and you know, those mortal wounds will add up, and they'll chip away at you. Um, and, Plus, they heal at the end of the turn. They yeah. synergize well with um, with Sloppy Bile Piper. If you if you do summon him, like I I thought there was some crack science with Nurglings, and I, I I I played a game recently against them, and I really appreciate them. I'm like, okay, look. I used to laugh at you. Like I'm, from, I'm from the old school, right? Where we used to run like uh, rat swarms and you know, bat swarms, and swarms were like <laughs> a, a joke. You know, you'd run them into a pit and you tie it up for a little bit. But Nurglings are no joke, especially when they start healing. You can obviously teleport with them or bring them in from reserve in a terrain piece. Like there's some good utility in those little models. Yeah, and the like. The, they have a very strict setup rules if you go to deep strike them where they have to be within three of a terrain but it doesn't say wholly within it just says within three and that's still nine for any models and the most restrictive part though is wholly outside of your territory so luckily I didn't match up against any armies that I had to keep them on the table because um, that's a concern on some matchups where the, your territories are so close like if you're on tectonic interference where your territory is half the table so now i have to put them on that side against the beast of chaos player if they ha they could just you could screen you off completely and then your nerglings can't come on if so you got to be really careful with that sometimes talk to you you were you were alluding to some of the rules which is why i brought them up on screen i thought um there's a lot of great rules in nurgle and i think part of part of tapping into nurgle is is obviously taking advantage of some of your great allegiance abilities but maybe not falling down a rabbit hole of of trying to get the most out of one particular build so a prime example and this was a theory that people were talking through was things like disease right when you look at these when you look at this set of abilities are you trying to build a list that just maximizes disease tokens and always trying to generate seven on every single unit, every single round? You know, are you trying to maximize things like your, your D3 heal from um, from having, you know, Horticulus and the Glotkin? Or, like, how, how do you look at these set of rules as a competitive player? So what kind of drew me to Filthbringer's White or White Ray out of the gate was I looked at all the rules, the Allegiance abilities. Like the first thing you do when you get a, a brand new book is you just look at the, the Allegiance abilities and say, what is this army? Um, what does they get? What are What is it kind of supposed to do before you even start looking at units or War Scrolls? Just just what is what is the essence of, of the Nurgle book? Um, and when I looked at it and I went, well, there's this disease mechanic so that's going to put out a lot of mortal wounds if you can really kind of ramp that up and that's why i kind of started down the rabbit hole of, of filth bringers of you know do i want to just try to pump out as much disease and max people as quickly as possible and just start melting them with mortal wounds um it's a great mechanic uh, it'll it'll start rotting things down but it's not the more i played um the kind of the less inclined i was to 
to go out of my way to try to max disease on things because uh, you you have to have that balance of where you're not putting yourself out of position you're not over committing to something so it, it's kind of how do i spread disease enough where i'm not compromising my, my board position at all and i think that was probably some of the first thinking um and i'll pass the mic back over to you in a sec was that i remember the first thing people started talking about with disease tokens like right I'm going to get the filth bringers and I'm going to get my rot bringer coven to get the plus three to the cast. And then I'm going to try to cast, I don't know, Umble Spell Portal or Soul Snare Shackles. And I'm going to try to maximize these disease tokens because the endless spell, when it's cast, gets the mega kin of keyword. So then it's going to do disease tokens. And there's this massive sequence in order to get it. And then it kind of quickly, you know, like these, all these points, all these efforts. And then you come up against Lumineth and you're like, yeah, that's not happening. Well, as you said, Zinch, like Chet Kayla, just like, yeah, that's not happening. So, you know, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. So I'm hearing you're trying to take advantage of the rules without over committing. Right. And like, you know, my, my initial thoughts was, you know, how do I spread that disease as much as possible and get a wither stave in my list, which is uh, an artifact for Nurgle Demon Heroes that will add one to disease rolls for anything that's within seven. So that was like my initial, like, I want to run down that rabbit hole and just max disease with my spell casting, use a wither save to, to get more mortal wounds off that disease, and then the rest of my list to be built to just bog you down. And it went too far in one direction with that, and it didn't have um, any anything to really adjust you know, my play in it. It was, it was too one-dimensional. Um, you know, and as you kind of look at some of these other rules, you know, that that disgustingly resilient is going to really make a lot of your stuff durable. You know, you don't need to just have big bricks of plague bearers. Like, there's a lot of stuff in that book that can be durable. The locus of fecundity is just amazing. You know, even if it's not a duo, there's Festus the Leech Lord. He's 150 points. Um, mm. And when we get to the list building, you'll see, you know, that I think he's one of the best things in the book because. For 150 points, you get a guy who has a big aura, 14 inches, that is not a holy within, like a lot of other rules in the game have. It's just if you're within 14 of this 40 mil base, you can heal D3 wounds at the start of your hero phase, which is incredible, you know. And with the changes to um, heroic recovery, where you can't do it in combat, you can heal D3 wounds in combat with this. Mm. Um, the summoning, you know, a lot of folks try to go right down to that befouling host and maximize turn one sloppity bile piper uh, but outside of that like you know you don't you're not getting a summon until turn two if you're not running befouling host um so you know there are kind of things you have to think about where you know your, your table positioning what do you have in your nurgle list that you can keep holy within your territory so you're getting at least the three summoning points off of that a turn because uh, if you don't have anything holy within your territory then you're missing out on summoning what do so. you like to summon, by the way? Like, do you have a set of units that you obviously it's matchup dependent <laughs> and things like it's Nurgling? It's always Nurgling. It, it's I have found um, you know, over the course of my games that that Nurglings have just been the MVPs. Um, you know, if if I have if I already have demons out and I'm in a position where I want to attack something in combat with them, I'll go for the Bile Piper. Like, I had a unit of Nurglings on the table versus Iron Jaws. And I needed to kill this mall crusher. I had like nothing left on the table. It was like his mall crusher and just like my nurglings and my wizards. 
And so I summoned a Bile Piper, and I had used Festus to put minus one save on a Maw Crusher that turn. So the Maw Crusher is at minus one to save. My Nurglings were summoned in. I had the hero with it holy within 12 to give him odd attack. So I had all these Nurgling attacks at hitting on fours, sixes do disease. Then sixes to, to wound, I was giving the mortal wounds. So all in all, they did like two or three wounds off of just the regular combat from them failing saves. They did about two or three mortal wounds. And then from all the disease that were was on them, they did even more mortal wounds. So they, at the end of the day, they were there. I think it was like eight wounds I took off a of Maw Crusher from just Nurgling attacks. That's so good. That's so you gotta love those stories. I love it. When that I, I love them. But like nurglings themselves, you know, it's twelve wounds in the unit, and there are four wounds per model. At the end of the, I think it's the end of the battle shock phase. Is it battle shock phase? Yeah. Um, they any wounds that are allocated to the, to the model just heal, so yeah. they're getting their own healing. They don't have to be by any locus. They're, they're just you, know, you can deep strike them on your opponent's side of the table which means if they're wholly within your opponent's territory, they're getting you three summoning points. And they're only cost eight summoning points to summon a unit of three, which means if you deep strike one of these and you get them wholly within your opponent's territory, turn one, then that means on like turn two, you're summoning another unit of Nurglings. Turn three, it comes, oh, I'm just going to summon another unit of Nurglings. And you can generate four units of Nurglings with just any basic list. Do you find people underestimate your nurglings? Like when you when you deep strike a bunch of nurglings or you summon a bunch of nurglings, do most people just go, oh, okay? And like they continue to look at like your Magath Lore, they look at your Glock, and they look at you know some of these other bigger monster types, and you're just like, cool, I'm going to continue doing what I want to do. Yeah, they can be very disruptive. Um, so you got to be really careful where you put them because you don't want somebody to just kind of turn and just smack them off the table but um, you can put them into into other units where they can punch above their weight because they're they're healing you know as long as your opponent's not getting four wounds through that five up ward each turn then they're going to stick around and they're going to start whittling things down i had them in combat with 10 chain rasp and they they killed like six of them before he finally before he retreated them and i still had my full three nurglings um i've taken off you know a pig off of a unit before, you know, where you've had, all right, now I got to get, I got to move this war channel over there to give these, these other two Gorgrunas their plus one damage. Cause I need to clear those Nurglings off before they start dropping more. So they really punch above their weight. And if you're really smart with your positioning and where you put your Nurglings, and if you've got the sloppy biopiper around, you can tag that one that one model, two models at most. And you obviously can't pile in with sloppy within the 14 inch aura. You know, the, the attack backs into the Nurgling, I, I found when you're stuck into combat, it can be quite difficult to just fight off that Nurgling without obviously taking out Sloppity. So it was just this cycle of just doing a, a couple of damage, heals up, couple of damage, heals up, couple of damage. So, um, again, don't underestimate the Nurgling. I think they're good value. Um, whether you bring them into your list or you summon them, um, it's good to see them get a little bit of respect finally. Yeah, they're great. You know, if you want to put them in your list, it's only 105 points. It's like the cheapest thing in the entire book. Um, and if you want to summon them during the game, that's only eight summoning points. Which they can't be battle line, can they? They can't. Um, that's the that's the one thing I, I wish they could become yeah. battle line. Like, you know, give make make if Morbidix was my general, Nurgling should be battle line. You know, give me that. 
I want these yeah. little fun oh. guys all over my table. Come on, allow it. Before I get into your list construction and your cycle, actually, I'm really interested in this part of the part of the show. Uh, do you, have you played against Legion of the First Prince? And if so, how have you found it? Um, I've played against Legion, not with this list or Filthbringers, but I've played against Legion with other Nurgle lists. Um, and I, I don't think that Legion really has any upper hand in, in that fight. Like, yeah, you've got the, the Demon Prince that can have your your charges, but most Legion lists are very kind of light on bodies to start with. And um, since so many points are allocated in, in that big trio of Bellicor, Kairos, and then usually some other big monster that's going to be your beat stick, whether it's like a Bloodthirster, now people taking duos. Like, Corn Demon Prince is always in there, right? It's yeah, always Corn in Demon that Prince list. is always in there too, that there's, there's so few points for, you just essentially just see a minimum battle line units, and everything in Nurgle chews through those kinds of units, even with like six up ward save. Um, you know, I, I, once you get in combat with Legion, I, I think you're golden. Um, yeah, they can delay you a bit with, you know, some redeploys and have, have your charges, but uh, for the most part, Nurgle will um, win those combat trades and attrition will take its cost. Who do you struggle against? Who does Nurgle not like playing against? Um, they not like playing against. That's it's kind of a, an odd thing. Depends on it. Really, it's very list dependent. I find um, there are some Nurgle lists that you know will be absolutely great against you know Zinch. Like I lost against Zinch because I was running a list that was just very weak against that matchup. But if I wasn't running like a Filthbringer list, if it was more and more of a, a traditional like, you know, drowned men list that we see all the time now, that are people running, um, you know, that's a much better for Nurgle. So it, it really, I, I can't say with like, you know, that there's one army that that's you know going to win all the time. It really depends on on the list, list matchups. It kind of feels like a Sons of Behemoth where like they just do something and they do it really well. They do it exceptionally well. You just do the grind. Um, probably you and like, you know, Soul Black Grave Lords, especially like zombie builds, you do the grind so incredibly well. But, you know, like, and, and that's why I know when I play my Sons, I don't really care about my opponent. I just run my idiots up the board and I, I do my thing. Um, but hey, Actually, that's, that's a simpleton like me. Yeah, so I don't mention the the zombie grinds. Uh, I've I've seen some struggles against like heavy graveguard list because graveguard do an unbelievable amount of damage in combat, and they're just as resilient. So you know, I, th I think if anything, the graveguard lists are, are probably the biggest struggle for Nurgle. Yeah, and obviously, you know, people like Gavin have popularized the Living City, and um, I'm sure that like Forminators and Dragons and and those things that they just do like an uncanny amount of damage uh, will eventually grind you down because your points went up, um, so you've much got a lot a lot less bodies on the table. One thing I did want to ask you about, we haven't really talked about it, was the actual Filthbringers. So, you know, for anyone who is probably hasn't looked at Filthbringers or they kind of overlooked it when they did their book review. This is allowing you to take a special unit. It's called the Rotbringer Coven, um, and it allows you to take three, three essentially Rotbringer sorcerers, and they combine them into a coven. 
they act independently and depending if they're within range or they get like pluses to cast talk to me about this this filth bringers and what drew you to it and and you know talk to me a little bit about some of yeah some of your thinking around the filth bringers and then i'll bring up your little cycle of, of how you're, you're thinking of, of this construction sure so the the thing that initially drew me to it was the diseased trait um which is you know the other nurgle um ability where you know, at the end of the battle shock phase your disease tokens are rolling mortal wounds um, when i first looked at this book i said you know how do i get as much mortal wounds out there as quick as possible like because if you disease something top of one just one disease on them it'll average four or five mortal wounds over the course of the game because that, that's just the law of averages so i was like how do i get that disease rolling top of one if, if i need to because it's a very very slow army so that's where i went first um, in my you know, deep dive into the book which was um, filth bringers so it's for 360 points you get three Robbringer Sorcerers, which are normally 145 points each. Um, you take them as a bundle, and you know at the start of the hero phase, you pick one of them, and they get a bonus to casting, unbinding, dispelling. So I was like, cool, I can have one of those wizards get a plus three cast, or a plus three unbind on my opponent's turn. So from there, it's how do I make that even more effective? Um, and you know what else can I do with them? And the Robbringer Sorcerers by themselves, don't really do much. Like I can't really find much of a reason to put a Robbringer Sorcerer in any list outside of Filthbringers, because all they have on their War Scroll is uh, a War Scroll spell to, um, which picks something within seven, and you roll a number of dice equal to the, the amount of models in the unit, and every five of some mortal wound. It's great against horde units. It's only a range of seven. You don't really see a lot of horde units in the game right now, so it was like that's not very effective. No. And then the only other thing they have on their worst scroll is tainted endless spells, which is any endless spell that they cast is treated as one of your models for the purposes of the disease trait. So now the endless spells that they cast that are roaming around the table at the end of every movement phase and the end of every combat phase are applying the disease to any enemy units within three. So I was like, that's how I can spread and project that disease all over the place. So that was the initial draw to Filthbringers. And like the you know, the Rock Coven is really the only use I could really find for a Rockbringer Sorcerer, because if you're not slinging an endless spell out there, it doesn't do anything. It's 145 points of that just sits around and, and doesn't provide any other benefit to your army. Well, as you said, Festus is 150, right? So, you know, for an extra five odd points, you get so, the D3 heal. Um, what about the other side of the Filthbringers, right? Because you talked about the offensive stuff, but what about the defensive stuff, the up to plus two or plus three to unbinds and um, you dispel? Is it dispels as well? Yeah, dispelling yep. as well. You can have casting, unbinding, and dispelling roles. So plus three to an unbind, plus three to a dispel. Um, I imagine that could be quite powerful as well. Oh, it's, it's huge. Um, a lot of armies out there might have only one or two wizards in their whole list. And if you bring a plus three unbind to the table, like, yeah, you just try casting that spell. I dare you to. So that's pretty massive. And when you 
combine that with things like putting Master of Magic for a, a re-rollable one on that same plus three, like, it's perfect. You happen to have Arcane Terrain on your side of the board? <sighs> now we're talking. Now I'm cooking, yeah. That's, and, and, like every, and you're right, like every army has that one spell that they want to get off as, as often as possible. You know, Daughters of Cain love their Mind Razor. Oh, you yeah. know, uh, like there's just every every army has that one spell. And if you can just identify it, you're like, cool, I'm gonna get plus three or plus four. Um the the plus the pluses to the cast from Filthbringers and the Unbind is dependent of them hanging around. They've got to be within is it within three inches of each other. So they are independent units. So you don't have to keep them in like a little trio. You can separate them across the board, but you are giving up your pluses to the cast unbind. So gives you some flexibility, but also um you probably incent i assume you are mostly running them as like a little trio uh, oh, more yeah. times Absol than others absolutely like and what you do with them too is since you're running them as a trio um and you're keeping them in kind of like a triangle formation um the thing you do is you, you keep that back one wholly within your territory where a lot of missions are your territory is 11 inches up you can keep that one Ropringer Sorcerer just tug, touch, touch in there, wholly within your territory, and then the other three, the other two that are three inches off of that, so you can get them a little bit further up, and you, you always have your your three summoning points. Um, and you if tap one of them you, dies, yeah. Uh, if one of them dies, you know, yeah, you don't have a plus three to cast or by anymore, but you still got a plus two. Yeah, that's still good. Obviously, you're talking about the uh, generation of your summoning points when you're talking about having one on your backfield and two. So I love that. That's a very good strategy because they're right. They are independent models, but they um, they obviously work together. So be very smart, and I love that. So good. Emma, so smart. Which brings me to this list. And when I say this list, this is your series of thinking. Uh, this isn't the list, by the way. I know I've been teasing you like a, it's, a, I don't know, like a strip club going, look at me, doing, doing a little dance. This isn't the Emma list. This is not the list that kind of podium at the Adepticon. We'll come to that in a minute. It's actually the list after this list. But you've got your thinking here, and I love this because when you build a list and for people who are learning the game or learning the faction, you know, it's easy to go in and see who won a tournament and just copy the list. I see, oh, Emma did really well with Filthbringers. I'm going to grab Emma's list. I'm going to run Emma's list. And I can do that. But I'm not going to often get the same result as Emma because Emma has the thinking. She has done the work. She has practiced. She understands the army. And that's why you often find a lot of people who just pick up internet lists and run them at tournaments don't do nearly as well as the actual creator. So, which is part of why we do this kind of show is to go, well, what's the thinking behind the list? And as you see what Emma's done, there is six or seven iterations of this list that you've started with a concept, you've tried it, you've evolved it because some things have really worked, some things haven't worked, some things you've been missing, some things maybe you've got overcommitted. And it's awesome to kind of see your thinking here and, you know, follow it along. So I might, I might pass the mic over to you to kind of explain a bit more about what you've done, what you've learned leading up to this Adepticon list that we will unveil pretty soon. So um, this is kind of a, some, a sneak peek and insight into my list writing process, which I actually write my list uh, in an Excel spreadsheet. Um, and I don't, I, like, I rarely delete things. 
uh, unless it's like a new addition. So what I did here was uh, the top left where you see the GUO, that, that's the very first iteration of a Filspringer list that I put together. And I played that list like probably a dozen games with it. Um, so it was kind of my thinking of the initial read through of the book. What do I want to do with Phil Springers to maximize my disease? So I had the Rock Coven in there. I had the Guo in there who had the Wither Save for that you know, plus one of disease rolls, everything around it. Uh, I put Blowab in there because I think he's just one of the best units in the entire book. And then you know, I went through, all right, what are my two endless spells that I want to use? Uh, so that was the Hargast and the Shards of Alagar. And for those that are wondering, what the heck are these things? What do they do? The Hargast is a endless spell that gets set up wholly within 12. Uh, it's predatory, so at the end of your movement, at the end of your hero phase, it'll move eight inches. And what it does is anything that's wholly within 12 of it uh, in the battle shock phase cannot receive commands. So anything that's wholly within 12 of it can't receive inspiring presence. So it's great anti-horde tech. So if there's a big horde of units, just start throwing the hard gas over there and watch your opponent go. Um, the other one was the Shards of Alagar, which when I was looking up this model, because I had read the rules on it and was like, hmm, that seems pretty good. I was like, wait, what? It is two models that are on a hundred five mil oval bases. Those are those are pretty large friendless spells. And you got two of those bases. So when you're talking about the tainted endless spells from the Rotbringer Sorcerers, three inches off of a hundred and five base, you can touch a lot of things with disease. And the shards get set up wholly within 18, and they're predatory and Instead of like moving one, you, you pick up one of those models and you set it up wholly within 12 of the other. So you can you can get that 30 inches out and then anything within three of that is getting disease. So you have a, a, a tool to project disease 33 inches away from a Robringer Sorcerer with that. And what the Endless Spell actually does um, outside of you know, being a disease tool is after it moves, you draw a straight line between the, the two pieces, and anything that crosses that straight line has the movement and cannot fly until the end of that turn. So it's not as good as like until your next hero phase, because uh, it only lasts until the end of that turn. So basically, a turn you sling out the shards doesn't really do anything because it's you know not your opponent's move movement that turn. Uh, but just having that thread of it on the table, uh, I found that pretty much all of my opponents used. Uh, a dispel at the start of their turns to get rid of the shards, which means their wizard, one of their wizards now, just lost a spell cast because they're trying to yeah. get rid of the shards. Or if they don't have a wizard, now they're using a heroic action to get rid of the shards, which means less command points. They're not using heroic recovery. Um, and if that Nurgle wheel is, is on a four for no heroic actions, like, can't get rid of the shards <laughs> sometimes. Um, so it's, it's a great tool for spreading disease burning people's you know, spell casting by having to get rid of that. And the other great thing about it, that uh, about not just the shards, but just having an endless spell on your list, is the ability to deny battle tactics. So I had games where 
you know, my opponent decided to broken rank something and they didn't get rid of the shards. And I went, cool. Uh, I'm going to pick this up at the end of your hero phase and I'm going to put it right in front of that unit. And now you can't really, you're not going to have any room when you charge in to really get a lot of attacks off on it. Uh, so, you know, I can deny battle tactics with endless spells, uh, or you can use them to help secure battle tactics. Uh, for instance, I wanted to um, go in and, and fight something like a, a big monster. I'll, just, I'll throw the shards out and I'll put them, you know, on the on the back end of the of that to tag it, you know, in base kind of so that way, like if they roll to redeploy, like they won't be able to move it because you, they won't be able to clear that in the spell. Like you can use it against a maw crusher and say, all right, I'm going to put this right here. Even if you roll a six, you're not going to be able to get that big base of a maw crusher to clear this endless spell. So you're not going anywhere. So now, you know, my now I'm free to just move my models closer to you with my slow four-inch movements, and I don't have to worry about you making my charge longer. You are seeing a lot of smart play from players at the moment, where they're using endless spell bases and even in front of their units to deny charge areas. Because while you can move through an endless spell, you can't end on an endless spell. So there's a lot of shenanigans you can do with it. Were there any other endless spells that you considered? Because I know initial thinking people were running um, or spell portal. They were tapping into, as I mentioned, uh, Solstice Shackles. They were looking at some of the other things like that. Um, what's that necromantic wave? The um, stupid uh, the, the grave tide. The grave tide. That's right. Um, that was people that were looking was, for those those types of endless spells. The the grave tide was one of my initial thoughts of looking at that, and then like, but it it doesn't it doesn't go very far. You know, when you when you set it up, it's very you know slow to get across the table. Um, so it, I, I just saw shards, and I was like, that is so much better than grave tide. Um, so that's why I went that way. I know a lot of people love Spell Portal because they're like, oh, you could you could sport Spell Portal and then Rancid Visitations to do Mortal Wounds. But things like that are so situational where it's like, if I'm not running against a Horde army, Rancid Visitations doesn't do anything, I felt like. So um, the Spell Portal, because it's very limited in its, in its utility, I, I didn't really see a place for it. Um, in a list, because everything that like I want out of endless spell is is to not only have its endless spell function, but also be able to pro project disease and also, you know, just be a roadblock or a speed bump if I needed to. And so the spell portal being on like a forty mil base just it just doesn't do that well. But then shackles would would fit into that criteria, right? Because you get three models. Shackles. You... Shackles would, but. You have to set them up like wholly within 12 of yourself and nurgle just doesn't have the move to go like to get around it so i, I felt like if you put shackles in your list as a nurgle player you're more likely to kind of hinder your own movement because you only have four inches so like if i throw that in front of myself i, I i'm not gonna be able to go around it because i don't have anything that moves fast enough to to avoid you know being stuck in shackles itself um, I, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, shackles is a type of thing for a Nurgle player that once you're up in the middle of the board and you're trying to defend your position, you throw it out. But what I'm hearing from you is you're trying to get offensive disease tokens from endless spells yeah. as early as possible, as opposed to shackles, again, probably turn three, maybe turn two if you're lucky. Yeah, like, 
because I, I want as much utility out of everything in my list as I can. So if it's if it's not going to benefit me till like turn three, uh, you know, a lot of games can be decided by by then. You know, so like it's it just I don't I don't really feel the shackles because it like turn one it's not really going to do much. Like it might, you know, it might be good in a in a matchup where you have a very kind of aggro list on the other side like Iron Jaws or you know just all dragons where you can be like oh here's a spell it's going to deny this you know this table space. But outside of that, like it just doesn't do anything on that turn one or even sometimes turn two. Yeah. Whereas, no, like, it... Keep going, sorry. The, the other endless spells, because how far they can move, like that Hargast, so that's totally within 12, then moves eight. So that goes you know, 20 inches. Shards of Alagar go 30 inches. You know, I can, you know, even if I have to go top of turn one, I can use them to just start projecting disease out. No, I, I like it. And I, that's the kind of thinking that I wanted to hear from you. It's that while they don't do fit the criteria, what you're looking for is that offensive power. Because what, it's probably one of the big weaknesses of Nurgle is being able to project power at range can be quite difficult. Um, and if you do want to kind of get into someone's backfield, you know, yeah, you got your Nurglings. Yes, you got your Lord of Affliction. You've lost your speed. You don't have long-range shooting. So endless spells are one way that you can get into your opponent's backfield. Um, and I think, you know, Horogast and the Shards are two good examples. And if people want to go with Shackles, they go with Shackles. But I think you've given us some good thinking around why you've gone with the Shards as opposed to um, Shackles. Or what you're looking for, at least, from your Endless Spell choices. All right. And, and so the rest of the list in, like, the very first iteration, um, I was kind of looking for just how do I spread as much disease as possible early on. And you know, just build around that. So that's why, like, the battle line. You just see a bunch of plague bearers because uh, they're the, just the cheapest battle line option. Um, when you're running filth bringers, you only have two choices: plague bearers or putrid blight kings. One of them's 150 points, and the other one's 250 points. So, you know, there, there's not a lot of variety there. So I was just like, all right, I want to run a big meaty block of plague bearers. So that's all I can afford. You know, the only other access to battle line you get is if you have a Lord of Afflictions as your general. But if that's your general, then you're not taking Master of Magic. So then your your Rob Coven's you know kind of suffering because they don't have a reroll built in. So from there, you know, I played that list quite a bit, and I was always trying to look through ways to improve it. So I was trying to reiterate the list a little bit more, and you know, I was thinking, well, you know. Do I need Master of Magic? Like, what does Epidemius look in the list? So I was trying to put together that, um, and it was just, the list just was not looking good on paper. And that was the the second list to the right of it. You see with the Scrivener, because I, I was still hung up on taking the Wither Save at the time. So I needed a body to take that, which means I had to have a Nurgle Demon that was not named. Uh, mm. And your choices are basically a Scrivener or a Sloppy Bile Piper. Is, that, that's it, because your Guos are 495 points. Uh, or, or you have the, the Pox Bringer, which 145 points for a wizard that doesn't do anything else. Um, so I, I was not happy with this iteration. I was trying to figure out a way to make Epidemius you know, work in there. And I was like, why am I taking Epidemius? 
um, it just came down to kind of what I talked about with the endless spells, which is what is it doing for me? Like if it only does one thing, I don't really like it. So I I, I kind of gave up on Epidemius real quick because I, I realized like you're only taking them to just have access to a few spell rerolls. Outside of that, he brings absolutely nothing to your list. Like he doesn't do anything else. If he was if he had uh, the locus of fecundity for the D3 heal, maybe I'll consider him. But 145 points to just get a maximum of seven, you know, what I'm looking for, seven spell rerolls in the entire game. It, it just, I wasn't feeling, it doesn't give me enough. It's a named character that can't take any command traits, artifacts. Uh, I was like, no, it, it just, it felt like a waste of points. Um, so, so that list went in the bin. I never put that oh. one on the table. Um, it, But at the same time, I never deleted it off my spreadsheet because um, you know, my list writing is is kind of. I don't want ever want to just delete something. I, I want to kind of leave it there because maybe I'll revisit something and kind of take pieces. So that's why we have so many uh, Filthbringer lists on their screen right now is because I, I just I leave everything out there and I revisit it. So and and I, and I really like that. I just want to pause you on that for a second and give you you know have a, have a sip of your iced coffee. Because I love this idea because for most people, I'm actually not forcing you drink drink or don't drink. It's not up to you. But like most people, when they list right, they use the app, whether it's War Scroll Builder, whether it is the AOS app. Very few people, this is OG stuff, right? This is where when I used to play Warhammer, you get the notepad and pen, you write it out. I actually did, before AOS Reminders came out, I actually made my own AOS Reminders in Excel using pivot tables and conditional formatting. And when I used to generate my list, I'd actually get out the rules per really bizarre stuff. I'm a, I'm a nerd. But what I love about this is the fact that you are able to compare it like this very easily to go, right, well, I've run five versions of my list. This is how I've tweaked the list. This is what I've, I'm really good at. This is where I'm struggling. At times, I really wish I needed more bodies, better cast. I need something. And I can very clearly on a menu look at my movements as opposed to what we currently do in the app. It's very hard to compare lists. So um, if you are looking to list build, I think this is a great way or a consideration, whether it's on paper, whether it is on Excel, um, good good insight to a very competitive player's mindset here. Yeah, so I actually have a, a, a whole Excel spreadsheet where I keep lists and I have a tab of just Filthbringers and where I've kind of gone through this whole list writing with Filthbringers. So I have all of these different iterations, uh, most of which never saw the table, um, but it's just that, you know, how the uh, the list kind of changes from, from generation to generation of, of the list. So see some of these, they're not even close to 2000 points because I, you know, I just couldn't make it work. And instead of just deleting something, I left it there so I can kind of look at, at you know, later on, maybe I revisit a month later because, yeah, you know, there are weeks between some of these iterations. This wasn't like one day, um, you know, this was, all right, I've come, I've, I've written this, not really liking this. I revisit it maybe a week later, like, okay, I can see everything that's come before kind of, you know, what have I thought about this last week? Um, you know, what do I, what do I want to make work? And, you know, maybe I just, copy some of those elements, put it in here. All right, what? how much room do I have left to work with? 
so when I went to my third iteration of it, I said, you know, the things in the, the list that I didn't like before was, you know, that prior version didn't have that second kind of monster, that, that second like hammer. You know, all I had were just plague bearers. So I wanted to bring in another Magnus Lord, see what that looked like. So I brought in Orgots and I had Bloab. And I thought, you know, maybe maybe I get a little cheeky here and I run a little gut rot. And, you know, it, and I can, I mean, sneak him around the table if I need to. I can put Orgots with him or if you know Blight Kings. Um, and that was, you know, that line of thinking. And this was the, the closest version uh, to what I ended up with. So, so you'll see a lot of similarities in this to my final version, but at the time it, it didn't hit me. So it sat here at, you can see at 1940 points and I, you know, I was close and this was like, I think maybe around January when I wrote this one and, you know, I, I couldn't crack it, but it was there in my spreadsheet and I read back and I revisited it another time and I said, you know, I don't really like gut rot in that list. It just it just doesn't feel right having, you know, gut rot as my deep strike element. I, I prefer the nerglings, they're much cheaper. You know, I don't really feel like deep striking blight kings or orgots. I prefer them on the table. So let me let me kind of take this and, and rework it a little bit to put nerglings in there instead of gut rot. Okay. So I, I've got the nerglings. What else can I, what do I have room for? And I went, oh, I could put a pox bringer in there for the wither stave. You know, if I'm running plague bearers, I've got three units of them. I can give them fleshy abundance with uh, an arcane tome. I was, or no, I didn't need the arcane, it was pox bringer, it's a caster one. Um, but so that was my thought process there, where, you know, maybe I have the, the pox bringer to give out the plus one wound to my, my plague bearers, give him the wither stave. Um, I, I just I didn't like it still. It just it felt like it didn't have, um, you know, enough punch to it because plague bears don't do anything in combat. They just kind of soak some wounds um, and they tickle you every now and then. They might apply a disease. You know, big deal. So I still wasn't crazy over it. It just didn't have, you know, it was missing something. So I sat on it for a while and. Came back, uh, you know, another week or two later, and I was like, you know, people keep talking about these plus coils. What does that look like? So I tried to put together, you know, a list. What, is, what does this look like? I need to lure afflictions though, as, as a general, to have the plus coil as battle line. Like the the points weren't working out with it, with you know, two Magath lords and a lure afflictions on the list. It didn't have enough room. So you see, at 1975 points, I would have to have the lure afflictions as my general. For, for that third battle line option. Otherwise, I'd have to get rid of the Puscoils to bring in a different unit. And I just, I wasn't, I wasn't liking it. It, it didn't have the, the pizzazz. It was, it was just missing something. Um, one, so thing that, I, one thing I really like as well is your, um, you've gone through the cycle of what does my army look like with all the plague bearers? Then you've gone, well, let's bring in some Blight Kings. And then you've even tried to bring in and swap out, bringing in a battle line if situation. And you've flexed and you've tried and you've kind of seen and explored what does the army look like and how does it play with the different conditions. I really like that process as well. And, and I think that's what, um, you know, a lot of folks, you know, 
should, should really kind of look at when they're writing a list is is don't just take one list in like a worst scroll builder and just keep tweaking it over and over in one night like you know it can be a process sometimes um and you know in this case you know this was over like three months of me you know casually kind of revisiting filth bringers and, and rewriting things you know as i'm trying to to write other lists for for worlds and other things so i'm you know, i'm just constantly revisiting it and you know i since i have them all in that excel file I'll, and then i'm able to come back a week or two later and go you know there's there's some elements that i really liked and the other things like oh what was it like i wanted to I definitely want to have the double magus lord what, what were my what was my thoughts earlier and i can go through and say all right i had two lists that i or three that i had kind of prepared with double magus lord kind of is there anything in there that that i could have been missing at the time and that's where um, i went back and i looked at that third iteration one that one that originally had that gut rot in it and i went hmm if i swap out gut rot for festus i get access to the fecundity so I get D3 heals, and then I get another D3 heal in my hero phase for something within an inch. And I get another spell cast, which is absolutely amazing because this worst scroll spell is, is just that good. Okay, so I've got 55 points left. If I swap that out, you know, what else can I tweak? I don't really like having all these plague bearers. You know, it, it just it doesn't feel like enough. And, and I'm like, well, do I need that 20 block? And so I kind of start tweaking this list that I had written like two months beforehand. But since I didn't, you know, delete it or anything, I'm able to just copy this, paste it, and and make those edits to, you know, what that final list was. Cool. Before you get to that, I just want to share one piece of feedback that I tell a lot of people when they ask for list advice. And what I love is that you've actually implemented, not my feedback, but you implement the theory that I share with a lot of people. And that is when you are trying to find your list. And what I often find is that people go to a tournament, they'll go to a one day, they have this list idea and it doesn't work the way they thought. And they throw the whole list in the bin and they make wholesale changes. They change the hero, they change this, they change that. And often it's too much change at one time. And it's hard to measure if the change was as a successful change or it wasn't successful change. Um, what I love about your list is your iteration is the fact that you pick one or two things to tweak, but majority of your concept remains the same. You kept the plague bearers, you kept the endless spells, you kept your uh, Robbringer sorcerers, you tweak some of your heroes to see how the core of the army would change depending on the hero selection, but you kept most of it and you made slow tweaks as you go. And for anyone who's looking to get better at Warhammer and get the most out of their army list, I highly recommend when you make a list change, one or two. Now, competitive folks and people who practice a lot can make can do this a lot faster, but don't make wholesale changes unless the thing just doesn't work completely. So just kudos to you. This is a great example of just seeing how you do that process, with, but keeping a core concept. And it's, it's just kind of applying to, um, you know, when you're thinking about any changes, you know, have you played any of these lists on the table already? And the only one of these of these that I've played with was that very first iteration with the Guo. And, you know, I played maybe a dozen games with that list. I really liked it. and It didn't really drop much games, but it, it felt like it needed uh, some more punch. You know, Plague Bearers just 
they don't do anything. I need I needed some more oomph to it. The Gua was just feeling a little overpriced for what I was doing with it. Um, you know, the Wither Stave, while it, it you know set up some great combos, um, you know, one of my games I played with it, I did over thirty mortal wounds with disease in a in a battle shock phase because I was able to. You know, I start the game and I rolled my, my my wheel and I started on a five and went, oh, so next turn it's plus one disease rolls and I cranked the disease to max and next turn, you know, so I, I ran up the table. I just like, all right, I'm going to command point them up in the face because it's Sylvaneth, like they're not going to deal with them. So, yeah, ran up the table, got a you know, next turn, cranked the disease up to max and, and just went nuked. But like outside of that one game, like, yeah, it felt really great, but outside of that game didn't really feel it too much you know a, a big huge base with a four inch move that his combat was pretty lackluster um you know i i, need, I needed the the second monster with a, with a bit of punch so that's why i was like i, I want to bring in orgots um and then i wanted to swap out plague bearers with blight kings that was, you know, some of my thoughts of where I want to bring in, and then the other thoughts in my list were kind of around the enhancements I was bringing. Which in that very first list, I was taking the enhancement for another artifact, so I had the arcane tome for an upbringer sorcerer. So we had two plus three cast, and then I was using don't ruin, don't, don't ruin Christmas. I'm going to bring up the list. I'm going to sure. bring it up. Are we are we ready? To go, good to go. By the way, oh. getting a lot of love here. Before we transition, Joel asked really quickly, um, what about cogs? Any thoughts on Endless Spell Cogs? Maybe you've got it in the list? I just, uh, it's like, in the end, I didn't need any additional spell cast because you've got three Ropbringer Sorcerers already. And if you take the Arcane Tome, you've already got four spell cast. And um, one of the issues I ran into with the early iterations where I was taking the artifact enhancement was I was actually running out of spells to cast because, you know, turn one a lot of times you're not in range for most of your stuff um so you know things like magnificent boobos or gift of disease you know aren't doing anything turn one sometimes um so that was you know, one of the major tweaks i made in the the final version as it was was take a spell enhancement so now i've got um the ability to to cast other spells that I don't need opponents in range. So I brought in Blades of Putrefaction. So you'll see that on two of my wizards, because you know even though you know it's it just makes your disease go off on a five up on a five or six to hit instead of just a six to hit. Uh, it still gives me a, a spell that I can use, so I'm not sitting there idle. Um, so that was one of the the best tweaks I made to my list. It was just a, a, a simple change. I said, don't really need the wither save. It's nice, but it's too situational. I want something that's basically going to always give me uh, something. Uh, everything in the list, I want synergies. It, it has to give me more than one thing. So this was the, the final version. I brought in Festus because he's the bestest. And what is Festus doing? He's a wizard. So he's already has one of the best spells in the book, which is his War Skull spell, which gives you minus one save to something within 14. It's tough to get off on a seven. Um, so there's times where it's just, he doesn't get the spell off. But if he does get it off, it's, it, it's, it's huge. Because anything in your list, you know, now that I've got Putrid Blight Kings and Magaflords, 
they're all going to they're all base have uh, rend one and they have rend two and the magus lords now you're thinking of that as rend two and rend three mm. so festus just amplifies the damage output of four other units in the list if he gets that spell off and if he doesn't get the spell off then anything within 14 in my hero phase is healing d3 wounds anyway so he's still benefiting me um the way i deploy him is i put him on one side with orgots so he's within an inch of him and sometimes with the blight kings so that way at the start of my hero phase on a two up he can heal one of them another d3 i had a game where my orgots took like seven wounds from some bow snakes top of one and i went cool two up he heals d3 d3 from the you know disgustingly resilient battle trait i don't need the command point so I'll heroic recovery and he was back to full health from 3d3 healing so you know it, it's also about kind of board positioning with him you know keep him kind of close but you know not in danger but he doesn't have to be near the Robringer sorcerers but you know that 14 inch bubble does extend off of him quite a bit so you are able to keep your army you know all within 14 of him for the most part and then still have him in an effective position that he can get that minus one save spell off an opponent or provide that extra d3 heal that minus ones uh, i i play with my gits and you know one of my favorite artifacts in the gits book is the mood face moment which is a little um artifact which i little point a point at the start of the combat phase and the unit suffers a minus one to their save it is such a good artifact and i guess i'm kind of reinforcing it just as you've said the fact that you you either going to force your opponent to um, spend an all-out defense to try to mitigate the minus one or the fact that your rend one or rend two really becomes rend three or rend four or whatever it might be right so you, you it's a great spell uh, i just want to reinforce that i love that spell and yeah it's a little bit harder to get off but i love the fact that you've gone in with the commanding entourage to get the extra spell because most people's default would be extra artifact and in my Daughters of Cain list, I've been running mostly not snakes. Like I, I, I got into Daughters because I love witch elves and I've been building around a lot of like spell casters, right? So I always want to get Marathi extra spells, although that's been changed in the in the winter FAQ. But I love having my wizards having multiple spell options and it just gives you a lot more versatility. And if you do lose one of your heroes, especially with a lot of the mortal wound sniping from the various, you know, long strikes, bow snakes, archers, whatever it might be, you've still got some of those key spells on your army. So I love the versatility. I love the redundance. And, you know, you want to have multiple options and you, you'll find during the game that, you know, what you need to spell off at this part of the board, not this part of the board. Well, now I've got multiple wizards who can do it. So um, I love it. And you've obviously got your three um, rock bringer sorcerers. You've kept that core. You've kept um, Hogots. You've got Blowab still in there. You've swapped a lot of your plague bearers to be actually, you know, because you were at at the start, you were like three units of plague bearers. Mm -hmm. Towards the end, you were like two units of plague bearers and then one unit of Blight Kings. And now you've flipped it completely and you've got your two core Blight Kings and then one unit of plague bearers. What did you learn? What did you learn that made you make the switch? Uh, it came down to just I, I needed some more damage output in the list. It you know, the plague bearers just weren't doing it enough for a hundred more points. It was effectively one more wound with plus two to save. Because uh, the 10 Plague Bearers have 20 wounds, and your Putrid Blight Kings have a base of 20, and then your unit leader's got an extra wound. Uh, but 
you know, having five attacks each with rend, and they also do mortal wounds at the end of the combat phase. It it just gave me so much more punch and uh, a little bit more tankiness, and that they have a four at base save. So I, I threw them in Hunters of the Heartlands, so that way you can't roar them. They're immune to your monstrous rampages. Uh, and that's just a, an absolute multiplier when you have Orgots, because Orgots is giving you a free command point of return. And since he's a War Master, he issues that to anything within 18. So having uh, Hunters of Heartlands on my Putrid Blight Kings means I always have the ability to all defense them. Like, you can't shut that off. Orgots is on table, I'm getting a free alt defense. So it's just like having those extra layers of synergies in my list where, you know, even if you do kill, you know, Orgots, you know, I, I'm still getting some benefit out of the future Blight Kings. If you kill one of them, you know, Orgots is still able to issue commands to anything else. Like there, there's nothing in this list that if you were, if, if you snipe just one unit, it's not going to shut down like the complete army. Um, but when you combine everything together and, and all of the synergies that it's getting, um, that's where it really amplifies. So that like, I love the Blight Kings. You know, they're very expensive for 250, but you only have two battle line options, and you know you still have to take three battle line units. So I went with the, the double Blight King units uh, just to give me that punch. And with the spell enhancements. Because um, I just wanted to revisit that a, a, for a second. Yeah, please. Um, yeah. It, it's what I found in my my other games where I didn't have the spell enhancement is a lot of times if the endless spells are dispelled at the start of your hero phase, you can't recast them that turn. So I had times where my Rot Coven Sorcerers sometimes just didn't have anything to cast. Like they might have been out of range or, it, you know, there just doesn't really isn't really anything worth casting because they only knew like one spell. Um, so having you know all of the options, uh, what I found with this list is I never had a time where I didn't have anything to cast. Like Festus, if we go back to him, his war scroll his war scroll spell is so good that you always want to use it or something within fourteen. Like so, you know what spells do I give him? I'm going to give him spells that are. I'm only going to cast if nothing's within 14. So he's got Blades, which I put on one of my own units, or he's got Plague Skull, where I can kind of throw disease across the table. And then I've got my Ropringer Sorcerers. So my General, he's got the Master Magic, the Arcane Tome, so he can cast two spells a turn. He gets a reroll. Gift of Disease, I think, is just one of the best spells in the book because it just spreads disease so well. 21-inch range, yeah. gives disease to that unit and every unit within seven of that one. So, you know, that was like the one I always wanted to really have available. And I figured, you know, I'm always going to sling an endless spell with him. So that means this third spell option is going to be very situational. So I just took Ghost Mist because I was, you know, a concern that, um, you know, versus shooting armies, there's a lot of targets that a shooting army is going to want to go for. So to be able to just make anything like a Wildwood. Uh, it's just phenomenal because you know I can sling all my spells and then with the very last spell I cast, make something you know block line of sight. So I've already used all the line of sight things I need. Now I'm going to shut off your line of sight <laughs> for, through that terrain piece. Um, so that was the thought process there. And then with the other two Rotbringer Sorcerers, you know I wanted to have Bubos available. I wanted a backup Gift of Disease, but I 
kind of spread out the, the, the spell selections and I put some redundancy in there. So no matter what, like that one Rotbringer Sorcerer can cast Blades of Putrefaction on one of my units within 14. The other one can throw out a Plague Squall. Um, and then Blowout himself, you know, his War Scroll spell is so good. If anything's within 14, you're always going to use the War Scroll spell because it's just that good. So he needed option. He needed two things where, you know, maybe they're a little more situational. So I'm not within 14 of a Maw Crusher Marathi, but within 21 inches. So I'll take a plus one cast to make it minus one hit with Magnificent Bubos or you know, the anti-horde tech of rancid visitations that we kind of touched on earlier, which is so situational because it's 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 really good when you're surrounded by a lot of models from an enemy unit. And, you know, none of my Rotbringer sorcerers are going to be in that situation. Festus is not going to be in that situation, right? Because if, if they're surrounded by a unit of zombies, uh, I'm, I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and the Rotbringer sorcerers already have a, a, a war scroll spell that kind of does it on five ups for more wounds instead of two ups, but... You know, Bloab himself might be in that situation because I want him, you know, to use him as that combat piece. So um, I, I found in eight games I never actually cast Rancid Visitations, but um, if it's there in as a as an additional tool in case you ever do need it. So one of the things I, I wish I would have brought them up with me, but I had um, five little like white cards that I could use a, a like a magic marker on or like a dry erase. And I, I named all the cards, so I had Blowab, Festus, and then my Rotbringer Sorcerer models are very distinct. I don't use, like, I've, I have a Sal the Faithless one that I use as my general. I have a converted one made from a Blowab, and then the other one's this real old metal Sorcerer model. So I, I, you know, I had old metal written, I had mini Blowab written, I had Sal written on a card, and then I wrote the, the two spell lures that they knew from each of them. So I had that on the side of the table, so I can always kind of refer over to the, you know, all right, because there's a lot of redundancy. You know, what am I going to cast with each one? And I can kind of look over and go, all right, all right, yeah, that that's the model that knows that one. Um, so that that's it's great to have little additional tools with you when you're playing the game. I'll get a couple of burning questions. One, why no demon wizard? Because I imagine anyone who runs plague bearers wants to be running fleshy abundance. It's just the thing that like people just want to do, and it almost feels like if you're not running it you're giving up something significant, getting that plus one to, to wound characteristic. So turning your plague bearers from two wounds to three wounds. What's the theory and logic behind not running a demon wizard? Um, it, it was in the, I, I had it in the Guo version where I was running heavy on the plague bearers. Um, but when, you know, now that I've shifted to Blight Kings, I only have one unit of 10 plague bearers. Um, so like, if I want to run Fleshy Abundance, then I have to take a Demon Wizard, but that eats up a hero slot. And with only six spots for my leaders, half of that's already taken up by a Rock Coven. So you have to be mm -hmm. very selective in, in what you take with it. And with the high points of, of a Nurgle, there's not a lot of options because the only choice is a Guo or the Poxbringer as your Demon Wizards. And the Guo is just so expensive that, you know, that was in that first list, you know, he's gone. So the only cheap option would be to being big, the, the Poxbringer. But for 145 points, it doesn't do anything else outside of cast fleshy buttons. There's nothing else on its worst scroll. And I kind of touched that on that with uh, Epidemius too, when I'm looking at something, 
I want as much utility as I can get out of it. So if it's only bringing me one spell, I, I, I don't really want it because I, I want to have more utility in that list. Like, you know, Festus is bringing me multiple things. He's bringing me all that healing with him. It's not just like one spell cast. Um, you know, the Rockbringer Sorcerers, you know, I, they're, they're part of the Rock Coven. It's the gimmick. So, you know, not a whole lot of choices there. Yeah. And look, you know, like if you're listening to this and you don't run Filthbringers, then obviously you don't have to take the essentially a 400 point tax, right? What, 360 points. And when you add a Guo to that list as well, you're, you're approaching a thousand points in four models. So, you know, you can obviously swap out those points for a Guo outside of Filthbringers. So, I can fully appreciate why you wouldn't have fleshy abundance for a unit of 10. If you had a unit of 20 or you had multiple units of plague bearers, yeah, fleshy abundance comes in. But for one unit of 10, they're cheap, they're chaff, they'll block up the board, they are a wound sink that you don't need. They're demons, so they'll tie up really nicely with the um uh the biopiper. Sloppity Biopiper. I was gonna say the scrivener, but I knew in my head it wasn't scrivener I wanted to say, so I did a little toot. Um a couple of other burning questions was your core battalions you went battle regiment commanding entourage and hunters why battle regiment like surely if you're because you're, you're on six drops and if you're going to be under four drops if you, if you can't be under four drops most people would say to you well why bother you might as well play the million drop game would you wouldn't you be better off going like warlord or something something else so uh, the thought process there was, um, you know, what other options do I have with what units I have left? Because um, half of my leaders are already tied up in that command entourage to give me the extra enhancement. And I wanted the hunters for the Blight Kings. So it left me with three leaders and two troop selections. And, you know, do I need Warlord? It was, was a thought, but I've got Orgots in the list. I'm never starved for command points. So I didn't see a need for the Warlord. Um, then what other options do I have available? And it came down to, I could just throw them all into you know, that battle regiment as a, as, and, and just one drop the remainder of them. Or I take like Vanguard to just auto run something six, which goes back to, if I, why would I take that over a Warlord, which is just a free command point? Because that's, that's what a Vanguard is, is doing. I think it's still called the Vanguard. So came down to the only battalions that are available. It just gives me a command point where that I don't really need. Um, whereas if I put them all in a battle regiment, yeah, it only gets me down to six, but there's a couple lists out there like uh, Double Mall Crusher Iron Jaws, for example, that never comes under six. You know, So there's, there's a couple tough matchups there that you can still outdrop. So you're not playing the drop game, so it's not like you're playing the race to the bottom, because clearly then you'd want to be one one drop, two drops at best. You're trying to make the most of your units in the best options, and then I'm hearing correctly that you know you'll still win some of the drops because, as I mentioned, a theory is a lot of people will throw away battle regiment if they can't go one or two drops, and then you're like me, I'm running like I said, gits with like a, a ten drops or whatever you'll beat me in those type of situations. So it's still valuable. It's just yeah, it's, that you're specifically not building around one drop. Yeah, it's still valuable. It just comes down to, um, you know, I took command and hunters because I, I'm looking for that, 
that constant utility from it, which is you know the running theme of the whole list design, which is you know I want to have as much utility as I can out of everything in the list, and then it just comes down to what what's left, um, and so you know there's very few you know battalions that those things can fit into, and you know outside of the battle regiment, all all I can get is like one free command point effectively, um, and with you know, this list and having orgots in there, I'm never starved for command points. So it just didn't make sense to to go that route. And I just figured I'll just throw it in a battle regiment. It won't come into effect most games. Some games, though, it'll happen in. Um, but, you know, that that's probably going to happen more often than I would need that command point. On average, do you find Nurgle wants to go first or go second in the game? And obviously, again, battle plan and matchup depend and all that stuff. But if you are winning the drop game and you get the choice, what do you prefer? Or at least what's your decision tree? Do you have uh, Most of the time, it's second. Um, th that's that's really the majority of the time because um, you know, I, I feel like one of the, the big strengths of Nurgle is that D3 hero phase heal for like you know, pretty much everything in your army. So, you know, if you go first, you're never getting that benefit. And um, where most of my army is built into spell casting, um, I got to play uh, against uh, Tom Lyons, his Night Haunt, and I think it was game four. And I had the choice of going first or second, and it was on Tectonic. And, you know, it was, it was going to be a, a game there. You know, he wanted to kind of grind, you know, because he had a lot of chain rasp, and yeah. I felt like, you know, the, the his win condition was pretty much to just not even begin that grind because I got blight kings, and Hargast. So, it, like, does it make sense for me to go first? It didn't really. Like, it was risky that you know, oh, I give him top of one. You know, you sit on your my opponent's going to sit on objectives, score their six points because it's tectonic, and then I go. Um, whereas if I went first. You know, I figured, all right, I just move up the table, like hardly anything's in spell range. Um, and then my opponent can you know, have that ability to double turn me and still outscore me on both objectives without engaging. So a lot of times I feel like I do want to go second because it'll force my opponent to kind of start moving onto those objectives, which is putting them in a lot of uh, spell ranges for things where I've got 21 inch reach on gifted disease. Um, so it, it's... You know, most matchups, second. Like I'm comfortable with my opponent usually taking the first turn. Would there be a situation where you'd want to go first? Um, I actually took first against a double mall crusher list in my game five, and I still don't know if it was the right decision. <laughs> I, I just, um, you know, I, I looked at it and was like, well, I can put. This unit nerglings right here on the table. I, I spent about like at least two minutes measuring the table and you know let my opponent know what I was doing because I was on his side table, you know, going through my whole thought process. So he, you know, he knew I wasn't trying to delay things. And he, he was real, real cool opponent, absolute joy to play against. Um, and you know, so I, I did decide to take the top of one against that because I could found a spot where I could put my nerglings down. And it shut off mighty destroyers on everything except for one maw crusher and one unit pigs on the other side of the table. So, um, in that case, I did decide to take it, so that way I can move on to the objective of start scoring the points, get some mystic shields up, um, you know, 
kind of build my castle up a little bit more. And uh, it was risky because uh, I felt like if he double turned me, you know, yeah, he kills a Nerglings turn one and then he can go right in my face. But I felt like, you know, in that situation, I was already, you know, shutting off that double turn impact of of him being able to come in and really hit my army with everything. Uh, because the, the, that unit of 105 points of my list of Nerglings, you know, basically stopped, you know, any chance of a, a double turn really hurting me. So you know, that's where the Nerglings really shine. Uh, but in most cases, I think I go bottom of one. Yeah, I just imagine, like, the minute someone sees a really fast army and concerns are being pinned in their own territory, they will often take first, just to kind of advance up the board, start challenging on objectives before getting pinned. But what I'm hearing is it's less of a concern for you. Yeah, I wasn't too concerned because if somebody wants to get up in my face, um, with my deployment, I had kind of my, my Rappinger Sorcerers in the middle, with kind of some Plague Bearers in front. and But then I had my Magath Lords and then the the uh, Blight Kings ahead of in front of them. So they were kind of on the ends. And I had Blob on one side, and I would put Festus next to Orgots on the other side. So now everything's within 14 of Festus for D3 heal. And because I've got Bloab on this side and Festus on the other side, I now have two really, really strong spells with a 14-inch range. So I'm getting full coverage on my entire army for anything that comes into me that if I get either of those spells off on something, I'm, I'm going to kill it. Like putting mm. minus one save and having Blight Kings and a Magath Lord available or putting um, Miasma Pestilence on something and, and being able to constantly do wounds every phase to it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, please... Please come in my face with this list. Like, it's come going into my hurt. ranges. Come, come into my fourteen-inch bubbles. I'm, I'm all good. You, and the great thing as well is like you're durable enough that you know anyone who charges into your face, you can take the punch um, quite well and then respond appropriately. Where some armies, especially ones that don't have the screens and the chaff, it seems like screens and chaffs have been thrown out the window. People have forgotten to take them, and now they're starting to get punished. I do wonder what the world might look like if Hunters of the Heartland ever gets dropped or what the General's Handbook 2022 is going to bring to us. But it seems like people are forgetting about screens and chaff, and at least you have the ability to kind of take the punch and then respond appropriately. So that's probably one cool thing about Nurgle is that you can take the punch pretty well. Pretty well, except for uh, except for those those dragons and the, the Destroyer X Maw Crusher every now and then. Well, what do you do against dragons? Like if you come up against another dragon list, what do you what what advice would you give a Nurgle player? Um, <laughs> with with a Filthbringer list, um, the only thing that I, I do against dragons with that is pick up my own models. Um, but against against dragons, typically with with with, with Nurgle is you know if you do have things that can actually sustain in combat and you can initiate the combat yourself, then you're in great position with Nurgle because I, I think. Um, you know, based on my experience with with Nurgle versus dragons, Nurgle wins it out most of the time because um, they don't really have any mortal wound protection unless they're running the the one you know, subfaction with the six up ward or they can guard us. Um, and most people aren't doing that anymore. But no. you know, if if it's four dragons that charged you, uh, you know, you're probably picking up some of your models. Um, you know, unless you have that something a little bit hardier, like that was the the main risk with this list is you know just five Blight Kings instead of a unit of ten, or even just you know those Magath Lords can be a bit weak 
you know, Bloab's nice because on a four up, you get your minus one to hit, which is fantastic. Um, but overall, like, it can be a, a bit rough if you don't have the units that can really take that punch. And, and that was very much one of the weaknesses of this list. Um, and, it, and really, um, I, was a, I was hoping to avoid the dragons, but luckily uh, Caleb was nice enough to give me that the loss round one with the Zinch list that I got to avoid the dragons. If dragons can need to continue to be popular, would you try to get a unit of um, a unit of ten black kings in this list? I, I would love it if I could find it, but um, it, it's just so hard on the points. Everything is so expensive in Nurgle, and it's like I I keep looking back at it, and going like, what could I even adjust? Because I I have to I basically have to give up like Orgots or or yeah. Festus or yeah. the Nurglings, and and just you lose so much when you start dropping those things. By the way, I forgot to bring up your awesome meme. Uh, initially, I was going to kick off the show and ask you why uh, why Filthbringers, and I think this this summarizes it pretty well, Emma. This this is the whole reason why. Um, I, you know, I, I just enjoyed playing them. That that was the whole reason I dived into Filthbringers. Um, yeah, you know, and, and cool. kept it going with it. I just I just think it's neat. No, nobody else is doing it. Um, you know, yeah, there's probably more competitive Nurgle list out there. We've, we've been, you know, seeing a lot of people with run some, you know, pretty smooth brain lists to, to success. Um, you know, but I, I wanted to really put a challenge and, and say, you know, I'm going to take something that everybody said, no, that's, that's, you'll never see that and, and, you know, see what I could do with it. And, and I really, really enjoyed playing this list, but it, it was, it was rough even getting it to four one. Yeah, no, it definitely takes a good pilot to, you know, kudos to you because I think a lot of people really liked the idea of the Rockbringer Coven, but I think a lot of people gave up on on trying to work it out. So I think you've done, um, I think you've done an incredible job, which probably leads me to some of the last questions I want to ask for you, unless the chat has a couple of extra questions. Um, the first one was around the hunt, the hunt, the uh, the battle scribe around um primary targets and prime hunters did that was that in a play at adepticon and did you notice did you notice it made any difference or have you even after adepticon have you noticed any difference for nurgle because you're not any of the priority targets right. are you no you've got nothing there's, on the list unless, nothing. Um, unless um, you take bellacore unless you take bellacore but naturally nothing's in the list right there's nothing in nurgle book that's uh, a, a hunter um, or target. So um, it actually did come into effect in game five when I played against Double Maw Crusher, and I, I won by a single point, and then because both his Maw Crushers are dead. Yes. Um, and and also because he he failed a battle tactic. Um, so that was that was huge, um, and that came down to just all the synergies in the list where I had, you know, a Mystic Shield on Blowab already, and I knew you know that was the, the bring it down target, and he's got that built in four up. Mickey minus one and so you know the uh, that was the only game that i've had where that those priority targets really mattered i did play against a, a long strike um, list with dragons in it and it didn't really matter if there anyway because you know just making those things give you an extra victory point doesn't help if you can't kill them because they're picking up your models <laughs> um, so all in all um it, it's it, it did come into effect in one game um, and in another game, it didn't matter at all. 
Um, yeah, yeah, which actually kind of leads me to what I wanted to ask you as a follow-up is how do you handle long strikes, uh, sentinels, bow snakes, man skewer killer bows, all those things that are doing damage from afar, and given your rock ringer sorcerers, like if they target those rock ringer sorcerers, they'll pull it down pretty easily with the mortals. Yeah, but you know, it's it's luckily they're you know smaller models on small bases, so you're able to hide them behind terrain. Um, so if I'm going against a lot of shooting, I, I'm basically just hiding that whole that whole trio behind terrain, and and luckily with endless spells, you don't have to put them down within visible range. You just have to put them down wholly within range of the caster. So I can still sling out my endless spells even you know out of line of sight. Um, and so it's just those big monsters, you know, that Bloab and Orgots that are that are going to take the wounds. So against you know heavy shooting, you know, you're just going to have to kind of put them closer together with Festus within an inch of both of them, and, and you know, go. All right, I'm going to have to you know finest hour Bloab top of one, take your shots, and, and hope that you know you don't one of them doesn't get picked up top of one. So that way, when you go next, you can get that extra healing out of out of having that Festus there. And the problem, I guess, is that if you do Finest Hour, like Horgots, for example, then people just go, cool, I'll go, I'll go to, I'll go yeah. to blow up now instead. And it's it's that dance, right? I, I found that with, you know, Megas. I was like, cool, I all out, I Finest Hour, this one. Cool, I just I put everything into here. So it's hard, to, it's hard to handle. And I guess that's probably one of the challenges is that you don't have that power projection to take out the long strikes, you know, Am I going to bring in a lot of affliction and try to do some movement shenanigans and try to get in and like probably not? Um, you don't have the shooting, and I guess the endless spells are kind of how you can start doing it, but it's not a viable, easy strategy to do. Yeah, it's it's just a kind of a, an, an issue with the kind of current state uh, of the game where there's no real set kind of tournament path for like the terrain on tables, like they. You know, GW put in rules for you know, Wildwood in the core rules, but you still don't see a lot of events that are actually you know, incorporating that into their terrain on their tables. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what the you know, how the GW events look, because I know Chuck Moore has been assembling trees uh, all year long, slaving away in his, his garden, just, just planting those trees. Um, so it's, it's cool to start seeing you know, that actually hitting the table and being a standard. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's been a lot of discussion in the community about, you know, what the terrain should look like on tables. And as we keep seeing more sh shooting armies coming into the fold, like, you know, maybe, you know, the community does need that, that level of terrain, like, you know, hopefully not 40k levels where it's, you know, you have to have, you know, L-shaped walls and, and this and that. But, you know, we, I think we do need some level of you know having line of sight yeah. blocking terrain to to at least put some counterplay because it, it just it feels bad right now with, when there's yeah. not any counterplay to shooting and you go to events and there's the terrain is like maybe two inches tall at most uh, and that's why you yeah. see a lot of these shooting lists like just really shine and just uh, because you know, there's no counterplay yeah, and as a tournament organizer, literally, I'm running a you know a 90 player tournament next week. It's hard to have multiple level type of terrain and blocking line of sight. But I think to your point, um, and I've been doing a lot of research in 40k ninth edition, looking at terrain rules, and not that I want to take the 40k terrain rules and just dump them into AOS. But I'm thinking like, what are the lessons and what can you start doing? And I love the idea of just pre-labeling terrain to go right. This is this. 
not just mysterious landscapes, that this blocks line of sight, this is garrisonable, this is um, an obstacle that does this. And I think there's more, probably a second layer of terrain that needs to happen in AOS, because you're right, I think we are creating our own problems by having two flats of boards, which enables the shooters to have free reign of what they want to shoot. I think if we had some more more line of sight blocking, even if it was just defined, yeah, it might be a hill, but my hill is line of sight blocking, then we have a lot less problems. Don't at me about sentinels, folks. Don't don't start. We we all we all know that's a a, a separate issue altogether. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think that, that'll definitely help. But um, do you have any concerns about things coming out in the near future? Fire Slayers, Ideness Deepkin, Daughters of Cain, um, Nighthawks. The... Any 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 concerns? I think the only concern I have is probably just that incarnate of that's you know conspire that that's gonna come out. Um, you know, I I just I, I don't like the idea of having a little mini Marathi that can get inserted into any list that's gonna take at least two turns to kill. It it just doesn't. It, it's too basic, and it's just like, hey, here's this model that's hard to kill. It just goes in, does damage in melee. Um, I think that's really my only concern is kind of that direction of, of where third edition has been going, which is like put big monster on table, charge big monster, do damage, opponent pick up model. And like, there just doesn't seem a lot of like, you know, I guess like thought around how you play some of these, these units, like, you know, I know Teclas is like a big bad cause he's got all the spell casting dominance, but like, I, I like them though because you know there's so much you can do with them. You have to really think about everything you're doing with Techlist. He's got options of, you know, am I going to cast four spells this turn or am I going to make it two? You know, which spells do I want to cast? Because that's where his power comes from. But uh, you know, my my only concern with with things right now is just this, you know, this this monster heavy like, you know, just put big monster on table, swing. Ugh. Have you, um, by the way, like that's actually why I've been playing a, a counter meta. I've been playing 120 idiot gits recently because I'm like, well, you can run a monster. You count on five an objective. I'm just going to grind you with my netters and I'm just going to sit on an objective and, and laugh at you. And I don't care which long strikes shoot my gits because they're all 120 idiots. But would you add a cron spine to your list? Would you, as a noble player, not on principle, but as a competitive option? um and don't start on like buying games workshop or not like just like would you take the model like would you take um, it as a nurgle player as Frozen a Cons. nurgle player i i don't really see a, a a real need for it really like you know maybe maybe it's pretty good with you know that fly spam where you're just gonna go right up the table anyway and now your opponent can't retreat and they're just bogged down with with puscoils um so i can see you know maybe it it, it can be really obnoxious there but overall and you know any other kind of nurgle list for 400 points nurgle's already really tight on the points um so it, it's just tough trying to find that that spot where it fits into and since it's giving minus one the casting for any wizards that it's not bound to that's within its domination range you know nurgle already doesn't have a lot of bonuses to its own spell casting and there's a lot of good spells in nurgle so now you got to be you know extra careful where with its positioning um so i can but see you... a lot of other armies where it's really going to shine where you know fire slayers you know maybe you know you throw that in there and you have a nice big monster that's not going to die or you throw it in deepkin because their only monster is 500 points you got something cheaper ko doesn't have any monsters 
Um, I've been already writing lists with it for Legion of the First Prince because, you know, with having a huge level of control and now you can't retreat. Well, th that was what I, I was going to ask you about is surely the no retreating from combat um, with the Cronspine would play well to Nurgle because, you know, you lack speed. So as you're advancing up the board, you're able to pin your opponents within that no retreat bubble. Um, surely that's, you know, and obviously Nurgle lacks damage as well. So surely you've got the speed, you've got the damage, you've got the no pile in. You know, it can go hunt those long strikes and and bow snakes, and and while the rest of your army advances, surely or it's a screen, right? You know, yeah, more crusher comes in, and you know, you try to screen off some good stuff. It'll take the punch and then still respond, and if it kills the monster, it goes up a level. Um, I, I think it's you know, I think you can build around it in any army. Like it, it's just one of those war scrolls where it's just really strong, and the fact that you can put it in anything. Um, you know, you can certainly build around it. Like I think, you know, it could be pretty deadly with that Pusquil spam we've been seeing um, mm -hmm. lately. But um, it, it really is it's going to have to depend on, you know, the list that you build around it. Like Nurgle is a book that's so versatile um, that you know, there's there's no real one way to to run it. We've seen success with a lot of different Nurgle lists. Um, you know, the Fowling Host. We've seen Drowned Men. We you know. We've seen a lot of variety in these lists, and so it's it's not like uh, Lumineth where you're saying, "Cool, are you taking foxes with your sentinels, or are you taking teclas with your sentinels?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, law seeker, no law seeker. Yeah, and like I, I appreciate your thinking, right? You know, not we haven't had it. Not a lot of people have had a chance to test it out properly or enough, right? But I really wanted to get some of your early thinking to say, would I find four hundred odd points in my army to bring in Cronspine? You know, what am I giving up? What will I get out of it? And, you know, there's no right or wrong here, folks. If you want to run Cronspine with your army, go do it. Um, I do worry that we're going to come into a meta where it's going to be basically Cronspine versus Cronspine. Um, and you're going to have to take Cronspine if you want to be competitive. But let's see how it all goes. And uh, maybe, you know, your durability is enough to be able to, to handle it appropriately and um, start bringing those levels down. We're, we're bringing back Archeon to deal with these conspines, you know? We're just going to outright slay that conspine and, and just say... Well, no, you can't. It just brings, a, just brings a level down. It'll bring a level down, and then you still do your 18 wounds, and end of that yes. turn, it's gone. Yeah. So, yeah. Or hand of dusted, or yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Slayer of Kings is a hero only. Uh, and conspine's oh, not a hero. Oh, it is hero only. Yeah, it's hero only. I, I hate thought thing about even it. More now. <laughs> you can't even do it. Yeah, it's hero only. So I, I thought at the same thing. Um, and actually, initially in my video that I recorded, I actually had said Slayer of Kings, Hand of Dust. And then, like, in a discussion, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. Slayer of Kings is hero only. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last question, Emma. I'm going to let you go. Um, as a as a Nurgle player, if I'm an aspiring Nurgle player and I've listened to this chat and I'm super pumped up, I'm going to go buy some models or, you know, put my models on the table. Do you have any final advice for me to to play the game? Anything you've kind of learned since Adepticon? Actually, before I get to that question, Mike had asked, are you running uh, Nurgle at um, Warpstone? Um, I'm not sure what I'm running at Warpstone, actually. Um, you know, our, our worlds list are actually due on Monday, so I would like to run my worlds list. Um, my only problem with that is I, I need a couple more models for it. Um, which are still male, so 
I don't know if I'll actually have them in time. So surely um, Mike will no play idea. proxy. Mike, let a proxy. <laughs> nah, I'll, I'll probably you know I'll, I'll probably run. I don't know whatever I feel like packing on that Friday because we don't have our list due. I don't think until the day of. So I, I've got no clue what I'm taking to that. I might help even you help your world's team. Nah, help your world's team. Get let let them proxy. All right, back to my last question, Emma. Is if what's it, what advice would you give me, or lessons, or things that you've kind of learnt along the way? Maybe some traps I should avoid. Like, what's your final thoughts on uh, me as an aspiring Nurgle player? What would you tell me? Um, uh, basically, the thing you should do is if 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 you've chosen Nurgle or you know really goes for any faction. Um, really digest all of those allegiance abilities understand what is it that your army is really wants to do like what's the essence that makes your army that army um and then you know go over all of the war scrolls in your book before you start really trying to repair something and and see you know is there anything that just really sticks out to you that you just really want to put on the table um because you know you can build a list around it you know pick anything in the game you just write a list around it um, but, you know, kind of look at, okay, where, where are the synergies going to be like, and don't just, you know, take a look at one or two things and say, all right, I'm just going to spam that, you know, just, just really kind of dive in and see what are all of the possibilities, um, you know, what tools does, you know, X model bring that can, that can do something to another one. Um, I touched on a couple times earlier, like, I don't really like units that only do one thing. If it just does one thing, uh, I, I, it's not worth it to me because if, it, if you don't get that thing off, then you just have a model that's just sitting there doing nothing. Um, you know, which is why I touched on you know everything in that list. It's doing kind of multiple things. Um, so you know that's that's one way to to look at the war scrolls when you're trying to write through a list. Is you know, it, it, is if it's only doing one thing. Maybe there's something else that you can take that that'll you know give you more options because you want to have as many options when you're playing the game as possible, uh, so that way you can adapt. Um, and that's that's oh, I like it. That's you know really like the the best advice that I can give is just you know is is to really digest the rules um, and keep tweaking and and don't give up on things like you know the, the event I took this at I lost game one. Um, and you know, it was pretty clear early on in that game that you know I wasn't able to win it because I just I didn't have any of the tools to beat the other army. Um, so you know, don't give up on your game. You know, just kind of play it through, figure out. Okay, you know, I'm at an event that's you know, it I can still score points for just completing battle tactics and grand strategy. So you know, go into the the salvage mode when you're playing games and say, all right, you know, how can I get the most for for this event out of this loss? Um, and then don't let that discourage you from the next game. You know, I went to the next game, I got paired up against ogres, and I was like, I just love playing ogres. Like, they're just such a fun army. Um, so I was just like, Cloud Nine. I was like, I get to play ogres. Like, I didn't care. I lost the last game. Like, I get to, I get to play against some ogres. This is awesome. So you know, just just every single game that you step into, just just treat it as a new, you know, brand new game. Um, you know, uh, when you're going to events to, you know you're paying money you're traveling to get there and, and you're and you're playing against other people that have traveled from around you know and, and they're paying money to be there try to enjoy yourself like 
you know, don't take it too seriously. I, I made the mistake when I first started playing of just trying to take things way too seriously. Uh, and I really didn't make a lot of friends because I was just too, like, you know, laser focused on just, you know, got to win the game. Um, and, and the more I've relaxed and, you know, after COVID, you know, I didn't play for like a, a year and a half. And then I finally started going back to events and I was just like, I just want to roll some dice, put some fun models on the table, you know, just try to have a great time. And the more fun you have, you'll, you'll probably have some better results. Um, yeah, and, I, and you'll, you'll I, have a better time too. You'll make more friends. I, I definitely can appreciate that, especially because I had four months of hard lockdown where literally, by the way, you used your summoning points to summon Caleb, I noticed. Well done. You got, you, you got your eight summoning points eventually. But like, you know, like I, I agree with you. I think um, especially during COVID and now that I've come out of COVID, I just want to roll dice. I want to have fun. I'm messing around with things that I wouldn't normally mess around with. And, you know, I, I, I might get back into the really hyper-competitive version of Anthony and I'm going to go to LVO and maybe leading into LVO, I'll get into really hyper-competitive um, Anthony. But I think, you know, you're, you, you've raised some really good points. Just get out there, meet friends, roll some dice. Don't take too seriously. It's not like winning the tournament gets you a million bucks, right? You know, you know you're, not, you're not retiring. You're not semi-pro. You're not... You haven't got your, your pro card, but, um, you know, you've done well. You went four and one, you got, uh, you won the event before it was FAQ'd. And, um, I think you've done incredibly well considering you ran an off letter meta list. You didn't run your, um, your fly spam. You weren't running, you know, the, uh, the Glotkin, you weren't running some of the other, you know, competitive, you know, I use, I use brackets there. Um, the things that most people would stick to in a noble list, you were able to prove that the book is diverse. There are lots of ways to play it. And no matter if you want to go mortals, demons, a mixed combination, you want to run the Meteth Lords, you want to run the Great Unclean one, whatever it might be, you know, there is a competitive level and uh, an option for you. So Emma, you've absolutely killed it. And everyone, everyone has loved this discussion. Anything that you want to say finally, any, any shout outs, any people you want to call out, um, if people want to talk to you, you are on Twitter. I would highly recommend following Emma. She has the best. She has the best tweets. She uh, has some of the best memes. Um, I actually stole one of your memes without even knowing, and it was just like I recognize it. I'm like, I don't know. I just I see. I wake up in the morning and like every Facebook group is sharing this particular meme, but I now should know that you are the ultimate meme creator. Uh, I I'm just you know trying to have some fun with the game. You know, and you know, like I originally said with this list, just kind of be the meta you want to see with it. You know, be the kind of player you want to play against. Uh, it took me a little too long to to kind of realize that when I first started to play, but um, you know, ever since you know we started up, you know, third edition and events started happening again, and I've been you know back in the scene. I'm just I'm just trying to enjoy it. You know, it's a hobby. It's not a job. Like you know, we're, we we've invested our time our money like we've developed you know and the more fun you have with it you know the better time you're gonna have more memories you're gonna make more friends meet more connections um and you know some of those connections you know i, I applied for team america last year um i figured you know i'll you know at least just get some games in against some some great players around the country um somehow they they must have screwed up their spreadsheets and they let me on the team uh i don't know how that happened um but you know there's there's been some allegations that i that i know something about warhammer i i don't know if they're true or not but um 
you know, I don't want to lend any credibility to these to these charges that I'm somewhat knowledgeable about the game. Listen, listen, Emma, you rocked up the day before at Adepticon to play in the 40K event. You have, what, played 10 games of 40K and you, what, went 3-0 or 4-1 and or something. 3-1 yeah. and one in 40K there. You know, getting 10 my, games my... under your belt. <laughs> that was a ton of fun, too. Um, you know, I rolled up to a 40K event. Um, you know, just wanted to have fun. Just, just wanted to roll dice, put some models on the table. Uh, and all four of my opponents were were super fun. You know, I know that game gets a lot of bad rep, um, which you know, with its meta, like maybe. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's just you know, you're only gonna have as much fun as you bring to the table, and you're only gonna have the experiences that you make. So if you're gonna create a poor experience, you're gonna leave with a poor experience. So you, you gotta just you know. It's your vacation, you know. It's your time off. If you're going to an event, enjoy it. You know, make those connections, meet people. You know, and then you end up going out and having dinner with folks, you know, having some laughs, uh, and you'll be surprised about the people you meet in this hobby. Yeah, which is why I recommend people attend tournaments and events. It's not about, you know, crushing your enemies and making them cry. It's about, you know, meeting new people, going out, having fun. Just, you know, it's probably the thing I enjoy the most about events. And, look, I'm going to wrap it up because I think you've nailed it absolutely perfectly. Emma, you reluctantly have not told people where they can follow you. They can find you on Twitter as uh, at YesNo. Uh, yes, so no highly something. Yes, no something. Yes, no something. Go follow Emma. Best memes on AOS. Um, highly recommended. And she's a bit sassy at times too, um, especially when she gets FAQ'd from events. But um, you're obviously going Team America. I wish you best of luck um, at the World Tournament. You've got a great team um, and some really good players on that team. So uh, I'll be following along and wishing you guys really well. And, and that's probably it. Unless you got anything else to say? Well, I'm really looking forward to Worlds next month. Hopefully, we can carry uh, our Captain Jeremy to some wins. Uh, you know, he's, he's a tough guy. Um, you know, but we're, we got to really carry him on our backs, and, and hopefully, hey, we'll, he, we'll be able to get that for him. He's a KO player, so he's got his. He got his. Oh, did 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 he get his um, white dwarf just in time, or has he missed out on that, or is he not using KO? Um, I can't recall if, if that was I, that. No, that just came out because the, the rules cutoff was in March. Uh, yeah. So he won't be able to use the KO. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, you can still run KO. Well, not the, not the new rules. <laughs> oh, this is going, this is going a bit weird. All right. We got, we no, Jeremy's not bad. Jeremy's yeah. legend. I actually should have, Jeremy's long overdue. I need to invite him onto the channel, but Emma, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate all the Nurgle insights. You've shown us that there are lots of different options in the book. You've reminded us why we go to tournaments. It's to make friends, to be nice and roll dice. Uh, sorry, War Mistress, I stole your slogan. Uh, go check that channel out as well. She's amazing. But Emma, you're a legend. Thank you so much. I'm going to play the outro. And um, yeah, you know, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Bye now. Thanks for sticking around until the end. I hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below. 
The conversation will continue over on Discord, so links down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.